Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. As we always do, this uh, part of a Monday, we have a look back at some of the stories from the weekend. We are joined by the author and business post columnist, Ethna Shortall. Ethna, good afternoon to you. Hi, how's it going? Uh, are you... Uh, it's, it's, there's a weird thing about this strep A thing that, that it's not new. It, you know, it's not a super bug that's been manufactured in a lab in China, as of course, you know, COVID was. But that, that of there's more of a kind of an awareness of these things now. Yeah. I think so. I think we got used to the reporting of uh, of, of health um, and of whatever the major bug at the time or virus at the time was, which was obviously COVID for a long time and then that died away. And whilst COVID is still there, it's now been uh, surpassed by RSV and now Strep A. And so the, I think it's become part of our news cycle to talk about these respiratory viruses in a mm. way that maybe we didn't before. Because the year before... COVID, the kind of end of 2019, that winter, RSV was at a record high that year. Obviously, it, it disappeared the following year. Right, that yeah. was a record. We, My son was um, between three months and nine months. We were in hospital twice with RSV with him. He has um, bad lungs, so he was a good target for it. But um, and, and at the time, like the hospital was bedlam with it, like it was full of it. And, and then I read afterwards the statistics that that was the highest that we'd ever had. Um, and so now it's back again this year and it feels like there's more of a panic about it now than there was then. And I think maybe we've just gotten used to reporting it because it was in the news at the time, but only were you the parent of a young child would you notice. You know, it was it was further down the yeah. news agenda and now it's quite far up. And then strep A came in as part of that, you know, um, more recently. And obviously a child died um, yes. in the Republic and then a child in the North as well in this past month. So, I mean, th- like that is serious. But but like you say, strep A isn't new and, and deaths are very rare. Yeah, it. well, no, and deaths are very rare. But I suppose I, I kind of wonder, I mean, two minds, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's good to be aware of it, of course. But that, that, but that yeah. you might think... If the child is a bit of a cough, you know, you're you're freaking well, out. Well, that's then. it. Like an RGP, you know, like they're great. But I mean, obviously, the, you know, that they, they are dealing with people. And sometimes that's us, like coming with something that we actually we could have dealt with at home. But you're worried because you read about these things and you hear about them on the news. And there was a doctor um, writing in the, an Irish doctor writing in the Irish Independent on Saturday saying, you know, how mad... Um, their clinic is and that there's a lot of seven-year-olds I think he just used that as you know small Mm, children with worried parents bringing them in when actually they're just run-of-the-mill viruses that could be treated at home with with Panadol and whatever and I you know and and he was saying like if their breathing is okay and if they if if paracetamol is bringing down the temperature then you're probably okay you know but I guess like if you're a parent and and you you see on the news that someone that a child dies of strep A and and your child has similar symptoms then you know you're going to you're probably going to bring them to the GP even if you they don't are. really need to go. So. Or, yeah, and, and GPs are stretched, as you know, or indeed bring them to A&E. And, yeah. in the, and, which in is even worse. Off, which yeah. is even worse. Yeah, but yeah. There's, no way, there's no better way to affect a miraculous cure in a child than bring them to A&E. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but you know, the thing about <laughs> the A&Es, <laughs> like during the RSV, that, that, that um, Christmas or that winter in 2017, and I think like in our experience of A&Es in general, like 
you know, you only go if your child is really sick because if they're not really sick, you will be left waiting, sitting around mm. for a long time yeah. and you will probably just go home. And so the only time you know, you go is if it's a really an emergency or it's the weekends and you can't get a D-Doc or whatever anyone else. And then what else are you supposed to do? I suppose y- you go in. You know? Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, that is very true. Now, the, this, uh, well, it's a series of pieces the Irish Times are doing about this massive survey that is about... Uh, uh, the, the the nuances and difficulties on, and uh, issues surrounding uh, unification or not, um, and it is it, it, what it seems to be thrown up increasingly is there's a huge difference in attitude towards this between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Perhaps we have a more simplistic view of what it might it might affect. Yeah, and I think often when there's surveys or polls or discussions around a United Ireland. It's, it's a very like blunt question. Are you in favour of a United Ireland or are you not? And there's no real detail or nuance within that. Um, but what they've, they, they did that. They asked the blunt question, but they also did um, variations on that, you know. So they said, so in, in the in the case of what was the front page um, article in the Irish Times on Saturday, they say, w- like, would you be, in, if there was a United Ireland, would you be in favour of keeping Stormont where they're looking after some, some more local issues like health and policing or would you be in favour of abolishing it completely? And in that instance, um, the vast majority of people in the Republic want to get rid of Stormont entirely, whereas a majority of people in Northern Ireland would like to keep it, um, which is very interesting. And I can kind of understand it, you know, because I think in this instance, we in the Republic are the majority and we think a united Ireland just means you're joining us rather than actually mm. that we're uniting, that we're both coming together to form something that is is new or at least that hasn't existed in a long time. Um, and so we don't really think down here that we would have to give anything, you know, that we would have to give anything up at all. We just think, oh, no, you you, you know, why would we do that? And I thought like that, too. And there, But there have been conversations about, you know, would we have a new national anthem? Would the flag change? And, you know, we think, no, of course it's not. You're just going to come and sing our national anthem and you're going to come and, you know, stand under our flag. But for them, then they're giving up everything, especially, you know, um, uh, unionists in Northern Ireland. They they really feel like they've given up their whole identity. And I just think it's interesting that when you get into the nuance of it, then suddenly that's where the conflict rises. And there have been times where they've done polls like this before and they've said, would you be in favour of United Ireland? And the majority of people say yes. And then they say, and would you be in favour of it if, you know, you had to pay higher taxes? And then suddenly the amount of people saying yes comes <laughs> down, you know, and that's. That's that's what the real conversation is because it is it isn't just yes or no because you have to understand what will go with that you know so yeah they, well I mean also I mean uh, and, and previous articles have shown that there isn't a majority in favour in Northern Ireland of, I, I, anyway that and that was huge like I think is last Saturday's Irish Times um, there were there were um, more people yeah more people I think it was like oh, now I can't remember but like low, 50, around fifty percent of people in the north were not in favour of United Ireland then there was something like. I don't know, around 30% were and then there was the I don't knows or mm, I wouldn't yeah. votes. Um, so so there were more people in the North against it than in favour of it. I was surprised by that because it was a clear, it was clear the the this, the gap in people. Like it wasn't just a tiny, uh, a tiny difference between the yeses and the noes. It was like very clear that the the vast majority of people in Northern Ireland were against um, a United Ireland and that um, or not, not the vast majority because the way the question was posed but far more people were against than were in favour of it that was very surprising to me and then if you're in the south and you are in favour of United Ireland you think well I don't want to force anyone in here against their will you know if the majority mm. of people don't want to be part of United Ireland it's very hard for you to say well you have to be I mean you know we're, we're, well, we're opposed to colonialism as, yes. as we know so well, well, I th- I th- it often strikes me that 
um, the, uh, in the Republic, we don't know much about Northern Ireland. And, and the two parts of the island have, have developed in distinctly different ways over the last century or so. And even before the establishment of the Free State, Northern Ireland was still quite different to uh, the rest yeah. of the island. So, uh, And we don't really understand those differences. And I, I can imagine a lot of people, for the initial question, even the phrase United Ireland has, you know, the context of that for a lot of people, whether they're from a Republican background or a unionist background, is, oh, God, I don't want to be doing with that stuff anymore. Come up with a different option. Yeah, and I do think, like, a lot of us, when we're, if we say we're in favour of United Ireland, a lot of that is, and I think very justifiably so, but is about an ideological idea or a history or um, a perceived wrong and trying to make that right. And mm. I can, I totally am on board with all of that. And then I think probably less of it is about actually the contemporary current workings of Northern Ireland and the Republic. Like the amount, of, I, I have family in the North and um, have been there a lot and, and, and always was and, and continue to go there. But like the amount of friends, and I'm sure like it's same for everyone, who haven't been to the North, you know, or have mm. been, to, mm. been to Belfast once or something and do kind of think of it as a different country when it's a couple of hours up the road. You know? Yeah, I, I think the figures are in terms of um, respective tourism of people from the north coming down here and vice versa. It's, it's the, the difference is for not, it's like something like 90%, 10%, yeah. you know, the, in terms of the numbers. Even when like, the go, you know, kids there go to university, I have cousins there and, and when they, um, they did their A-levels and they went on to university, like they looked at universities in England, but they never really at degree level never really seriously considered the South and they're like you know there's a lot of people that just don't even understand how our systems work and vice versa even though you know we're the same island but because we've got different educational systems different points or or grading systems they're kept so separate you know Mm. and and um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very interested in the more nuanced discussion around United Ireland and, and also because for me, I am living here, even though I have family there, and I was very surprised by how many more people in that Irish Times Hall were against United Ireland, people in Northern Ireland, that is, than were for it. Yeah. Um, that was very surprising to me. So, Well, but I suppose if anything, uh, polls like this might kind of prompt a, a, a discussion about is United Ireland a good idea? What are the pros and what are the cons against it? You know, on a practical day-to-day affecting people's lives mm. basis rather than the, let's get the fourth green well, thing and, back. And know? I think that, like, I mean, there's this, this is a series of articles the Irish Times are doing and it's a, it's a project that they say between um, the Royal Irish Academy and the University of Notre Dame in the States, but they have a presence in Dublin. And so it is a big project and I think that is the idea. The idea is actually to look at the nitty gritty of it and I... and they're the conversations that we need to be having. I mean, it's probably not an imminent likelihood, or, um, mm. you know, a referendum on the United Ireland, but it doesn't feel very far off. So they're probably, we should be having the beginnings of these conversations. Well, you know? I mean, Mary Lou MacDonald is saying, oh, maybe 10 years. This doesn't say 10 years to me. This says no. 10 years of talking before we even consider having yeah, a poll. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah. No, with this, like, if you were if you were very strongly in favour of United Ireland, the, I, I, these, these, the study that the Irish Times are publishing um, over the last week or so would be very discouraging, I think. Yeah. Uh, right, you, <laughs> this is brilliant. Uh, Ethna also uh, chose a letter, I suppose, which is, which is unusual, but this is a letter that was uh, um, sent into the, uh, I, I assume it was in the Sunday Indo, was it? No, it was in the Saturday Indo. Indo, yeah. yeah. And, and it was Joe Jackson re- reacting to a review of his book. Yes. So he has, Joe Jackson, who uh, is a, a journalist interviewer mainly, um, and he has published a biography of Richard Harris, the actor. Um, and so that book was reviewed... I, 
think was it yeah the week before in the Irish Independent and um, by a biographer another biographer called Jasper Rees and Joe Jackson took issue with the review and he wrote a letter which was published um, in this Saturday's Irish Independent and um, you know he, he mentions twice how he's laughing at the review but the tone is very much that he is not laughing he did not find it funny so uh, suffice to say Jasper Rees did not think his book was good um, he gave it a negative review and took issue with it and now Joe Jackson in turn has taken issue with that now he's pointed saying there's some factual inaccuracies but you have to feel that if um, Jasper Rees had loved the book but there had been some factual inaccuracies he probably wouldn't have written in to take issue with them mm. um, and I just generally think it's not a good look when uh, authors write in to complain about reviews like I've had negative reviews of books and you know you just bite your lip or maybe you can give out about it to your friends or your family or whatever often though like I've never had maybe a scathing review so uh, but still no matter what I wouldn't be writing into the paper but often like I'll see you know I might see a criticism and I can often say oh yeah I see where you're coming from or yeah I could do that better or I disagree but I understand why you would think that anyway that is not what Joe Jackson um, has said um, he, he says in the end I am left laughing ironically let's make clear um, if only because Reese says the biggest flaw in my book is my disregard for boring old facts but he doesn't back that with one fact and you know there's this kind of tone throughout it um, and he says the central trust seems to be I uh, quote I'm a biographer any book I write would be infinitely better than this piece of crap so you know I mean I just <laughs> the tone is he doesn't sound like he's laughing he sounds like he's he's furious with the review oh, and well I, I mean he says offended um, that have offended me not so much oh, but yes. members of Harris is so he's he's offended on, on, on their the behalf and I just yeah. I, which is always the best sort of offence of course there's nothing that he himself doesn't mind at all um, I just there is you know there have been several instances like of of um, people who have been reviewed writing in to take issue with reviews it never ends well never looks good but the one I always think of and again this reminded me of it was um, Peter Crawley who was the theatre critic in the Irish Times at the time it was 2009 and he went to um, um, a Krista Berg show in the gaiety and they, like the likelihood that he was going to have enjoyed that were probably pretty low anyway so maybe it wasn't uh, the, the perfect match but it made for a kind of amusing review and definitely yes a negative review but um, Christa Berg wrote this what I would now say is an iconic letter into the Irish Times that people should look up if they um, if they are not familiar with it uh, he it's very lengthy he like gets very personal insulting um, Peter Crawley it begins with I rarely read reviews you know, oh but no <laughs> I mean I read all of them yeah. but this one was just happened to be sitting in front of my front of my table he also then like he he's disparaging towards um, other people that have uh, other critics in the Irish Times as well and at the end which I just always loved he says P.S. we were wondering by way of explanation as you seem to portray yourself as a bitter and unfulfilled man were you much teased by your school chums in the schoolyard and called Creepy Crawly? I think we should be told. <laughs> Just like, wow. Yeah, wow. So off point. So... Um, kind of bitter and yeah just oh I'd say you see at the same time it actually does speak to something and that if you're going to send somebody to review a Christa Berg uh, gig somebody who actually appreciates Christa Berg rather than someone who you know would be all sneery about it from the get go yeah, is yeah, probably yeah. not I that mean, that's, that's I mean that, that's probably that's probably fair but you know like I think 
Christa Berg's doing all right for himself. And oh, yeah. This review would have passed unnoticed, but he wrote this letter. Everyone read the letter. Then, obviously, everyone went back and read the review. So it, you know, like it, it, it probably did the opposite of what it would, what he would have wanted it to do. Uh, what's the meanest thing that's ever been said about anything you wrote? Um, I'm tr- I can't remember the specifics, but I remember the the. So my first book, which was like a really light rom com, it was it's called Love and Row Twenty Seven, and it was about an air. Um, an air stewardess and she matched make people by putting them seated next to each other on the aeroplane. Very fanciful, very light. And The Phoenix uh, reviewed it, which is a hilarious book for The Phoenix, which is a very, very current affairs publication. They did it because I was a journalist at the time as well. And so I think maybe they thought it was going to be a different kind of book, you know, and I can't remember exactly what they said, but like the general notion was like, this isn't credible and none of this would happen. And that's absolutely true. It wouldn't happen. It is fiction. It's a work of fiction. And yeah, yeah, and it's like a very lighthearted rom-com. Anyway, I can't remember the details, but that was probably, that was the like, the, the kind of one definite negative review that I remember existed. So, but right. it was fine. Like, I, re- I really didn't mind. Okay, that's yeah. all right. So far now, I'm sure something yes. else will yeah, come well, down the Yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah, you're going to ask them for it, yeah. yeah. Uh, one person said about a book I wrote that there should be a, um, a constitutional referendum that should be, uh, taken place to prevent me writing anything ever again. Uh, uh, oh, right. Oh, God. I won't name the person. Let's just say their career hasn't gone well since. Uh, right. Uh, so uh, a couple should have a, a safe word. This isn't sort of a kinky sex thing. This is to do with going to Christmas parties. A social safe word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this was this was one of uh, a relationship expert. I always wonder what do you have to do to be yeah. classed as a relationship expert. Be prepared to call yourself one. I, I know suppose. exactly. Do 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 I have to be? And in this particular article, actually, they gave this relationship expert's age, which really didn't do anything. But anyway, um, she who was married herself is was advising people during the holiday period. Obviously, it can be very stressful. December, very joyous, but yes, definitely very stressful as well. That couples going to social events, be that the Christmas dinner, like on Christmas Day, or be that like a party, you need a word. And um, their one was shamrock. Um, now, they weren't in Ireland. This one was American. So I think it was probably rarer. Not hmm. that we would use shamrock much either, I suppose. But anyway, shamrock was their word. And if one of them said shamrock, they had to leave. That was, okay. that was in, you, I don't know how they worked it into a sentence, but they did. And, and it, you know, there had to be agreements beforehand that this you could only be used very rarely. You couldn't be throwing shamrock around at every social engagement. And then that was a sign that we had to go. Now, she had lots of other advice for couples over the holiday period. Like one of them was um, that in order to keep the mood, to keep relations good between the two of you, you should use your pet names for each other whilst cooking, say on Christmas dinner. Which I was just imagining in our, in our house, if we were to call each other pet names, while co- it would only be said passive aggressively. You know, like absolutely, yeah. Why are you calling me that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it would only make things worse. Like what are you like? If you're like sweetie pie, have you put the chicken on yet, (laughs) sweetie pie? Like there's there's no way that's being said nicely. So, yeah, yeah. Um, And anyway, if you're at a party and one of them, normally you can indicate that with just a look. Yeah, or like you can say it to them separately. Like it's not like I don't I don't know what kind of situation where it's more convenient to come up with a sentence with shamrock in it than it is to just kind of nod towards the door you know um, but yeah but she's you know as you've said she's a relationship expert yeah and then, so but this is what she says and she obviously has a very good relationship I mean our my own relationship works better because I like going to things and my partner is less inclined to go to things so this doesn't really come up I can just go and heal mind the kids and that's you know and that kind problem of problem solved yeah, exactly. absolutely <laughs> yes why didn't you think of that Etna thanks a million and happy Christmas to you and enjoy all the parties uh, that you. you're going to be attending uh, Etna Short all there 
Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.